0: Yo, 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 we are back. Tutto Posto is here. Me and Beef are in the house uh, for a Premier League recap. Uh, we won't be going through any other things, no segments, no games, just Premier League. Uh, since we've done this in the past, uh, in the middle of podcast and they tend to run long, we've decided, uh, you know, weekly we can do just a Premier League recap and make it nice, sweet to the point, um, and keep the podcast on track and give you guys our thoughts on the past weekend. Match week one is in the books. Uh, Today is Monday, August 8th. And like I said, me and Beef are in the house to give you the Premier League recaps. Beef, how we doing?
1: I'm good, I'm good. I mean, that was kind of a hype entrance, usually not that loud. Um, I know. I'm
0: I'm
1: trying to figure out a good...
0: Usually I just say, like, what's up tuto postal listeners i felt like it was kind of um you
1: know lame <laughs> i mean i can see where, i can see where you're coming from there but i don't know it was just very loud it was not expecting it as it's uh nine o'clock good. at night yeah good caught you off guard apparently the,
0: pre-workout is still running through my veins <laughs> yeah that's because you take too much of it but we won't comment on that not, nope, I only take ghost pre-workout. only has 250 milligrams of natural caffeine from coffee. And I made oh. the 100 percent switch to ghost, so Axe um, and sledge is no longer in the cards. <laughs> no more 600 to the brain. No, it was never 600. The most most ever, I think has been like three, 350. which was unnecessary. And if you hear any uh, fans in the background, it's because uh, it's a hot day, and, you know, I don't want to be sweating too much here. Why For, not? I mean, I could, but um, not worth it. Got a 95-degree day. Might as well have a fan on. And also, my computer's going berserk, but that's, just, that's uh, beside the point. So, Beef, uh, I guess—oh, wait. Do you want to do Hero and Screw Up of the Week first or after? And start off with it, I guess. Probably a good idea. Yeah, so I'll I'll pass it to you for your hero and screw-up of the week. Obviously, uh, if you're new to the channel, this is where each pod member goes through um, the games and picks a player. Or, I mean, it doesn't really have to be a player. It could be a team. It could be an inanimate object, for all we know, that's screwed up and is deemed the screw-up of the week or a hero of the week who is deemed a hero of... For that particular week. So similar to like a uh, player of the week in FIFA, if you play ultimate team, uh, they make the team of the week. That is what this is for us.
1: So beef over to you for your hero and screw up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been a little bit since we've done this, um, but I will say we also are more fun. We add on a screw up of the week also because it's more fun that way. So I'm just going to start with my screw up of the week. Um, not even in the premier league. It actually happened today in the championship. Um, David Button, the, uh, goalie for West Bromwich Albion, got, uh, chipped from half. Basically, it, it was kind of hilarious. Um, as we all know, Paul, big West Brom fan, he, he just got chipped from half. It was not, not pretty. And, uh, I know Mick sent a text in our group chat about it and all he said was Baggy's sad face and Paul was not happy about it. There were some swears thrown around. He was not happy, but, um, yeah, no, I don't know what happened to that guy. But they also let their goalie leave on a free to go to Crystal Palace. So it's their own fault. So, yeah, so that was
0: by a goal by Sar from Watford. It was West Brom versus Watford had it on the TV. Uh, and uh, I immediately text Lake Beef said baggy sad face. And Paul gets uh, very not defensive, but angry at anything said about the baggies. It uh, And my text wasn't even meant to get him mad. It was like like I was sad that they were losing. And what happened, but uh, they they ended up tying that game. Just uh, to shout that out, so Baggies got a point.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely Steve's definitely the one who likes to get Paul riled up about texting about the Baggies, not me or uh, Mick. But Paul just he wasn't happy about it. I don't even know if he saw the goal, but he wasn't happy about it. Um, But I guess I'll move on to my hero of the week, and uh, it will be Erling Holland. And no, it has nothing to do with him scoring two goals. His interview was. Great. Basically, someone asked him a question. I forget exactly what the question was, but he basically just answered with, hey, you know, it was a little bit of shit. And the interviewer was like, uh, wait, you can't say that here. Like, you're not allowed to say that. And his response was, oh, shit. It was just, it was a great interview for his first game. Scored two goals on top of that. So we can say the two goals helped, but it was more so the interview than anything.
0: Yeah, I was watching, like, I just had it on. And, uh... They had his interview popped up. The interviewer was asking like horrible questions. Like that's was a classic. Like, yeah, it was like they were, he was trying to get so many answers out of him that Holland was just like, It was one game. What are you talking about? And, uh, but yeah, it was so funny. He dropped the shit bomb twice. And it was, he's like, He was brushing it off. Like, he's like, I say it all the time, and that's not a bad word. I don't know why you're making such a big deal out of it. But it's the classic, like, um, what major t- television channels that are like, oh, pardon the language, we're sorry about that. Yeah. Obviously, like, eight-year-olds might be listening, but still, it's like, it's just a word. But yeah, good uh, screw-up and Hero of the Week beef, uh, and welcome back to this segment. Feels good. Uh, so my Hero and Screw-Up of the Week. Uh, I'll go Hero first. Uh, it is from Manu U vs. Brighton. Obviously, uh, me and Beef particularly are not so much fond of Manu, and my hero is Pascal Gross. Uh, Beef pointed that out before the pod, the, the pronunciation. I knew it was Gross, but I, uh, obviously you mistake the B for a B- Grobe, and uh, it can be mistaken. But Pascal Gross, with two goals to beat Manu in opening day. Uh, In Brighton, I mean, we can get into that in a second when we go through the scores, but he is my hero, defeating Man U. uh, And I won't say any analysis on Man U yet, but he is my hero of the week. And my screw-up of the week, I'm torn between two here. But uh, I'll I'll pick this one. I'll go with uh, Salisu from Southampton uh, with his own goal, and it was not a good attempt. His foot was turned into the net, and he used his left when he should have used his right to kick it out of the net, um, I don't know if it was just, probably just an off balance situation, but either way, it was a terrible clearance and goes down as an own goal, and he's my screw up of the week. And it could have been like it was like a game changing situation. I think it was the third goal, but still, uh, Southampton was knocking on the door, and Southampton's known to, you know, give Tottenham a hard time. My runner up was Trent Alexander Arnold just. I just want to say it. <laughs> Shout out, Paul.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that one was he just didn't defend the back post. He, ha- he actually had a pretty good game. Other than that, but
0: people, yeah, he love, usually does. people
1: love to pick on him for his defending.
0: It's, yeah, it's the just the defending. That's it.
1: And honestly, he's gotten better as a defender. It's just like big highlight plays that people will point out, and they're like, that guy stinks. Look, we don't watch the whole game, but he gave up a goal on the back post, so he stinks. And I, I don't yeah. know. He's definitely gotten better. He's still not the best defender, but he's definitely gotten better at defending.
0: Yeah, and when you're that good at offense, the defending kind of takes second or takes yeah. the back seat. And yes, he gets roasted for it. But when you get like 12 assists a year as a defender, uh, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Especially on Liverpool. But, I mean, for Liverpool's sake, it did end up bleeding to a draw, which... Uh, we'll get to in a second, uh, but before we get to that, uh, we have the Friday game, and I guess we'll start up the scores right now. But uh, we had the Friday game uh, with Beef's Arsenal and Steve's Crystal Palace. Steve obviously not here. Uh, maybe I'll I'll talk in his defense, but uh, Beef, I'll, I'll I'll pass it to you first.
1: Um, I mean, if I'm being fully honest, it was kind of a boring game. Um, for like. So Arsenal scored in, like, the 20th minute on a, just a corner. Great. It was just a training goal. Play the ball to the back post, head it back across, and then just pray someone gets a head on it and puts it in, which pretty much is what happened. They went up one nothing. They were pretty much dominating the game for the first, like, 30 minutes or so. And then CP looked pretty good going into halftime. Like, last 10, 15 minutes, they looked pretty good. Um, but overall, I mean... The second goal was an own goal where Saka basically just went down the wing and whipped it across and was just praying it when someone got on the end of it or something, and Gahey just headed it, and it was going too fast. He couldn't get it out, so just went into the net. But honestly, it was kind of a boring game. There weren't many chances either way, I would say. Arsenal probably had, like, three where they scored on one and then the one own goal. And CP, I think, only really had one. It was like a header by Edouard that went right at Ramsdale, basically.
0: Yeah, uh, they, had, they had two. But um, like what you said, yeah, it was like the first 20 minutes was all Arsenal. They ended up getting the goal on the corner. I think Arsenal hired a set-piece coach, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe that pays off and uh, showed in game one. But I guess... Steve was saying, we were watching with him, and he was saying Crystal Palace just is horrible on set pieces. So probably a little bit of both there. Uh, they just didn't cover the back post, and he hit the ball right into the box, and Martinelli gets on the end of it. But, uh, yeah, after that, Palace kind of came into it. Um, just on, they didn't, Pal- A team like Palace has to take advantage of the chances they get, and they didn't. Uh, you said they had the header, and it was a, a good save by Ramsdale. And then there was one other play, uh, Where Zaha put a good pass through to Ezzy and he just kind of he blundered it. Yeah, he just passed it right into him, uh, into Ramsdale, and that, those are the chances that Palace kind of has to take advantage of uh, with a team or against a team like Arsenal. So they didn't do it, and then for Arsenal, like they just were able to close out a, a game that they had the lead in, and that's kind of what a big team just has to do: uh, get the goals and then close out a game. Uh, which they did to get the three points on opening day and um, to take third place uh, after game one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily their best game. Like, first 20, 30 minutes, they looked great, and obviously they scored the first goal. Um, They definitely could have scored more, but they kind of flattened out um, going into the second half. And they really, they did some stuff in the second half, but it wasn't like... They held a lot of the possession toward later on in the game, but it wasn't like they weren't trying to score six goals in the game is what it seemed like almost. Um, they kind of were trying to play possession, slow the game down, slow CP down. They didn't want to let them counterattack with Zaha and Eze is kind of what it seemed like. But um, overall, I mean, 2 nothing win to start the season. I will take it any time.
0: You're good, sorry. I was muted for a second. Uh, High praise to uh, Saliba uh, by pretty much everybody. Uh, So good game from him defensively. And um, Martinelli uh, with the goal. Leading scorer for Arsenal, technically. But we'll move on to Fulham Liverpool. And uh, like we were mentioning before, uh, Arnautovic with the two goals. One, the towering header over... Trent Alexander-Arnold, Arnold, uh, runner-up screw-up of the week, and then the penalty uh, that beef will uh, cover right in a second. But uh, and then Darwin Nunez with a like a backheel flick. It kind of went off the defender, but it was a good goal nonetheless. And Mohamed Salah with a simple tap-in, uh, assisted by Nunez. So uh, two-two draw for Liverpool to start the season. And uh, on top of that draw and draw points, Thiago. Uh, Alcantra, the midfield midfielder, uh, could be potentially out for six weeks, so could be a tough blow for that midfield. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine, but again, uh, that's a tough player to lose. But Beef, you were saying uh, before the pod uh, about the penalty and the call and the ref.
1: Oh, it just wasn't a penalty. Uh, I'm sorry. Like Mitrovic beat Van Dyke for sure. He went right and basically faked right, went left, and Van Dyke kicked out. But he never touched Mitrovic. Mitrovic's right leg hit his sh- hit his own shin, and then he just went down. And it basically seemed like the ref called the penalty. They did a VAR check, and the VAR ref was like, uh, uh, you you really fucked up, but like you made that call. So we're just going to say it's a penalty. It's kind of what it seemed like. It was one of those things where it was like, I watched it like four times because they replayed it four times. And I was like, Nowhere on here does it look like he ever touched him he threw his leg out for sure but did not catch him so it was one of those things where it was like I don't know about that one but I am just not it's one of those things where like it was human error and then they even used computers and VAR to replay it to try and fix it and they just didn't fix it so I was it's one of those weird situations where it's like I don't want that to happen again but like I feel like they're never gonna just change what the ref called because if the ref is convinced it's a goal, it's a penalty. The VAR ref's not gonna be like, yeah, you're just you're just wrong, man.
0: Yeah, it's like, um, I think it's similar. Uh, was it a? I'm trying to think. What was the other one that was a penalty? Maybe the Chelsea penalty. But it's when the ref calls it on the field. They it's hard to call it back because it has to be a clear and obvious error. So even if they like slightly think it's an error. They'll probably keep the play as it is, as it was called on the field. So yeah, it's just yeah. a
1: weird.
0: It's like the rules are weird, but uh, as long as they're consistent, then that's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, am I mad about Liverpool dropping points early on in the year? N- no, but at the same time, after watching Darwin Nunez come on, he's scary. I know they only played Fulham, but, like, they did tie Fulham. But still, he looked really, really good. He scored that backheel where it it, was—it didn't go off the defender. It came back from the defender, and then he backheeled it. It was kind of weird. But um, that's definitely in his arsenal for sure, considering he tried it earlier in the game, and the goalie saved it. Um, But he looked really good. He came on in, like, the 50th minute, I think, because they started for Mino up top. Which I was on. Well, Yota didn't play, so I was a little surprised that they started Firmino you know, up top. But I mean, they probably just went with comfort, if I'm being fully honest. But yeah, no. Um, Salah and Nunez looked really good together already, so that's one of those things that you definitely have to look out for. So I'm not too worried about Liverpool.
0: No, yeah, you can't be worried about them, but it's just that draw could end up coming back to bite them. You never know. Yeah. Definitely, points are points. But uh, quick, uh, that was Saturday morning, and we'll move to a couple ten o'clock games and go through them quick before we get to the uh, the more important games. Uh, Bournemouth two nothing over Villa, so uh, I guess Villa, a uh, team that people had touted as high, um, slow start, but obviously just game one, and then Newcastle versus Nottingham Forest. Newcastle is currently in Europa League spot. <laughs> If we're uh, if we're looking at the table, but uh, yeah, good win for them over Nottingham Forest, I guess. Uh, and Nottingham's 20 signings not paying off, unfortunately.
1: First game of the year, I'm not. Uh, I you got to give them some time, but I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no one really. I don't think people expect them to stay up, and like if people do, they expect them to finish like 17th. So.
0: Yeah, obviously. No, no one's panicking, but just pointing out, Newcastle, Taule is the new best team to watch. Oil money uh, beats Nottingham. And then we move on to uh, a couple more 10 o'clock games. Spurs versus Southampton, like we were mentioning. Um, Who's the first goal? I think it was Sessignon. Yeah, Sessignon.
1: Southampton first. Yeah,
0: Ward-Prowse with a with four-line-esque
1: Great yeah. Southampton goal is all I'll say, and then they just got pummeled.
0: Yeah, it was like a lawn esque if you remember uh, back in like the 20, I think 10 World Cup, the downward volley. Um, there was a couple of those actually. I think Wolf scored one, two, Potence. but um, yeah, Ward Prowse started the scoring, and I'll say Greg Hop, sports fan was worried, but then they came back with a Cessiyan goal, uh, Dyer with a like a flicked header to the far post. I uh, really like he, he went down for it too got his body in the right position. And then my screw up of the week, Salisu with the own goal. And then the man of the match, Kulachevsky, uh, putting on an absolute clinic, uh, topped it off to make it four uh, one. He was the man of the match and he completely earned it. He was fantastic the whole game. And I uh, was it, I think I'll shout out uh Castro. Uh, the streamer, he was saying Kuliszewski is doing what Man U was hoping Sancho would do. He's just putting on an absolute clinic from the wing, the right side, and cutting in. He had a, defend, he passed it into the back of the net from the left side, left foot. And yeah, he's just fantastic. Great signing by Conte and Spurs. And I mean, Son was quiet. I'll say that. But just game one, nothing to worry about.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm kind of disappointed in Southampton. They let Eric Dyer score a goal. Um, as, as I don't know if anyone else knows this. I, I mean, I don't like Spurs, but I really, really hate Eric Dyer. I just don't think he's that good. Um, personally, he did score a nice goal. I'll give him that. He scored a nice goal. But I don't think he's that good. Um, personally. Also, I hate him because he sucked when he played for England. But. I'm just not a fan of him, but I mean, overall Spurs did look, besides the first 15, 20 minutes of the game, once they scored that first goal, they kind of just dominated the rest of the game, so.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think Paul uh, was put onto a pizza review by Dyer and Doherty, I think, and he now likes Dyer, just as an FYI.
1: What, the, what is wrong with this person? Like, yeah,
0: he's completely changed to a goes, Spurs
1: Goes on Spurs loan to Spurs as a fan because his main team is horrible and they get chipped from the halfway line. Um, I'm only saying this because he's not here pretty much. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm just, I, I'm very disappointed in him recently. and That's all I'll say. Also, no, 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 I'm bringing this up. He's not here, but I'm bringing this up. Over the last six months, I think Paul has had this about ten times. He claims Declan Rice is the English Scott McTominay. (laughs) Please, please, anyone who listens to this podcast, please go roast him. Like, we all watched what Scott McTominay did this weekend. They lost to Brighton, and he looked horrible. Declan Rice, did he have his greatest game against Manchester City, the favorites to win the league? No. But he also had—he's— been unbelievable the last two years and Paul refuses to mention anything because actually I will say he might actually start watching some West Ham games because Skamaka is on the team now so he might actually see how good Declan Rice is
0: well I think he was watching the game and uh Rice I think sky to sky to shot like from point blank or something and that's why he said what he said
1: Holland did that last week too and look at him now it happens to everyone you know
0: And then he puts up the point that um, McTominay has more goals than Rice.
1: (laughs) He doesn't, though.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't know what the stats are. Declan
1: Rice scored four goals last year. That's more than McTominay has for Man U.
0: I don't know. McTominay had like a four-goal, three-goal game one of the games.
1: Just – yeah, I don't know. Trust trust me. There's no comparison here. It's not even close. I'll have to check it.
0: But uh, we can move on. We had Leeds versus Wolves, uh, and the American, or did he get on the score sheet? Oh, they didn't give it to him?
1: No, they, it was Damn. an own goal, but they took Aronson, it away. he he did have a great play. A lot of people were saying like, it's an own goal, but they should have gave him the goal. I think they
0: did at first. So that's why I, I had to check, but it was an own goal. Yeah. Unfortunate. Either way, he was involved in the play and, uh. Gives Leeds the 2-1 win over Wolves. And then a slight little uh, side thing. Like I said, Podence with a, a forlorn downward volley goal. But um, Wolves lose Connor Cody to Everton. Um, probably, I guess, in it was alone, which he finds weird. But uh, Everton really needs that defender now because uh, Godfrey, I believe, had a break in his leg or somewhere in his leg. And um, they'll need a, a defender
1: for sure. Yeah, Godfrey broke his leg and Mina went off injured. So they're uh, not in great shape. But honestly, I will say this, and I won't talk a lot about it, but I think now that they have Connor Cody, there's no chance Everton goes down. They're not getting relegated. Yeah, I, I didn't – they weren't
0: – it was weird last year, obviously. Uh, losing Richarlison is tough, but uh, – I don't – they're not a relegation team still.
1: I'll I'll honestly say this. Connor Cody has never put an Everton shirt on until today, and he should have the captain's armband already. That's all I'll
0: say. Ah, oh, yeah, I'm trying to think.
1: No, yep. there, there's no no arguments here. I'm just telling you.
0: I'm trying to think of this. Calvert, Lewin, Pickford. Um, if they give
1: T-Rex the captain's armband over Connor Cody, I'm, I'm <laughs> done. I'm done.
0: I mean, Pickford probably deserves it. But I Cody, think, he, I think Pickford
1: was their captain their first game of the year. I don't 100% remember seeing – I didn't see them walk out, so I'm not sure who it was. But, yeah, I would still say Connor Cody, no doubt in my mind. I don't care who else is on that team.
0: Yeah, I mean, he might end up earning it. But like you said, it's a loan, so that makes it a weird situation.
1: Yeah, I, I, I won't go too in-depth on it, but why the fuck would Wolves loan out their captain? to Everton. There's no obligation to buy. There's no buy option. They just loaned him to Everton.
0: <laughs> Which, I guess, leads us into Everton-Chelsea that uh, ended up being one nothing in Chelsea's favor. Jorginho penalty. No skip this time. He's been uh, kind of avoiding the skip. Uh, the skip got figured out a little bit, I think he felt. So he's uh, going with a regular penalty. And uh, it was with nine minutes extra time, so uh, that was due to the godfrey injury which took a bit uh in the first half and then second half uh not much going and there was another 10 minutes at a time for something that happened on the field uh it was undisclosed but the police were involved so i, I mean, saw we that yes. w- it was like we didn't know what was going on but it might have been a fight or something so that took a while for the second half to end but i mean as far as, far as players goes there's not much to talk about but sterling looked good I uh, had a goal call back for offside. Um, Pulisic ended up coming on. Didn't really do too much. Mount had a quiet game, but, I mean, that happens. Uh, defensively, though, they were fantastic. And Koulibaly had some great plays uh, in his first game. He looked really good. And then Tiago Silva looks a little slow, but, again, he's one of the smartest, best defenders the world has ever seen. And uh, even if you lose a few steps, similar to, like, a uh, having that guy in the back is fantastic. And then, like we said, as uh, Zpilicueta signed a two-year contract extension, so he's back there. And then uh, Chilwell, kind of a quiet game. Reese James was fine. But uh, I guess a little quick transfer thing. Still looking at Fofana. I guess that is moving quickly and potentially $85 million bid, so that could add to their defense. And then midfield-wise, Jong, I guess, could be settled this week. And then I guess a Aubameyang as well could be will be settled this week. If it doesn't happen this week, then it won't happen at all. So that's I guess Chelsea's little update. And um, a one nothing win for Chelsea, currently sitting eighth place uh, with the one goal. And uh, let's see, next game, move to Sunday, right? Yep. Move to Sunday. We had Leicester Brentford, which Steve mushed completely. Uh, Leicester was up 2-0, and then Brentford ended up coming back with an Ivan Tony goal and a De Silva goal in the 86th. And uh, as far as Leicester goes, they had all the players that are all rumored to leave, I believe. Teomans played, Fofana played, Vardy played, Madison played. So they're using those players while they have them. Uh, I don't think they lose them all, but, you know, uh, it's possible. So this team that tied Brentford 2-2, Uh, Could be getting a lot worse, but for the time being, I guess they're, I mean, still a decent team, but tying Brentford game one, not the best way to open up the the campaign, but not the worst either. Brentford's decent.
1: Brentford's a gritty team. That's what I'll say. They have a really good coach, apparently. I don't know too much about him, but everything I've read is he's like the best of like the lower end coaches. He's actually a really good coach and he does a lot with a team that isn't as good as like some of the other teams that they finish ahead of. So I've heard a lot of good things about him. Um And honestly, this game was at Leicester because going to Brentford, I know is a very hard game. Um Last year, I think a couple, th- I know Arsenal first game of the year slipped up and I think, man, you lost to them. I think a couple other like good teams lost to them at home. So definitely not an easy win, but, um, Definitely a game Leicester probably should have won with them actually playing all the players that are rumored to leave.
0: And then speaking of coaches, real quick, going back, or actually not going back, but I guess we'll lead into the next game. Uh, Graham Potter is the coach of Brighton, and Mm -hmm. I know he he was linked to Crystal Palace when Crystal Palace was going through their coach change. They ended up going with Vieira, but Graham Potter is an absolute fantastic coach, and I'm, I'm wondering... We should probably ask Steve uh, what he thinks about that, because, I mean, what would our I'm trying to think what Crystal Palace would look like if they ended up
1: getting him. I'm just going to say one thing. And I don't know if Steve realizes this. The name of Patrick Vieira carries weight when trying to get players. And I don't know. Hearing the name Graham Potter doesn't like excite someone when it's like, do you want to go to Crystal Palace? It's like, who are you? You're Graham Potter? Like, you just sound like any other English dude with the name Graham Potter. People hear the name Patrick Vieira, and they're like, oh, like that Patrick Vieira. Oh, oh, like I, he may not, and he's still a newer coach, so it's not like something where, oh, crap, he's just, he's just not a good coach. Like, he might still be learning exactly what he wants to do with his team, formation-wise, tactics-wise, everything like that, and I will absolutely say that he definitely helps them get some of the people that when it's linked between Brighton and Crystal Palace, they they see the name Patrick Vieira, and I think that carries a lot of weight that some people don't realize.
0: Yeah, 100% um, agree. Definitely just a younger coach who doesn't have the experience yet. Definitely carries the name recognition, and a lot of players have gone to Crystal Palace, young players that probably wouldn't have. But coaching wise, Grant Potter's shown a lot at Brighton with a probably lesser crew.
1: Yeah, but, I won't disagree with that.
0: Yeah. And then, like, similar to Gerard Lampard, I would put Vieira in that conversation with former players that have turned coach and uh, just kind of getting into it. I mean, Gerard didn't have a fantastic year last year. Lampard obviously had a pretty subpar year with Everton. But yeah, it's just like, if you don't let these coaches learn and get the experience, then they're obviously not going to do great. But uh, Palace sticking with Vieira, Everton sticking with Lampard, and Fulham sticking with Gerrard will be good for their careers, I guess. Well, Grand Potter, hand off to you. Hands up to you. Uh, beaten Manu, like we said, two-one. Pascal grows uh, with the two goals, and who scored the Manu goal? It was an own goal by McAllister. Gotcha. But, yeah. And Ronaldo came on. He ended up coming on. And I believe it was like 50th minute. And the game did pretty much change uh, from that point on. But it wasn't enough uh, in the end. And, yeah. Why are my freaking scores not loading now?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, the one thing (laughs) I will say about that game was just I I don't. They started Christian Eriksen at striker. Like, it was a false nine for sure, but wouldn't you want to start Bruno at the false nine and play Ericsson behind him, not the other way around? That's just... And then starting Fred and McTominay, that is just... I'm sorry, that should be illegal. One of the Um, best midfield pairings, though. After last year, how how bad they were. Like, it was really bad, and it's not like... Do they have the best options on the bench? No, but they have Donnie Van de Beek back with his old coach when he was in the top 20 of the Ballon d'Ior at Ajax three years ago. I mean, he's an option that could start over either one of them because he can play either of those roles. Wouldn't you want to give him the chance to do that and kind of change it up? I mean, as a Man U fan, which I am most definitely not, but I would have been pissing Fred and McTominay walking back out onto that field after that was the whole point of trying to get Young was we need to get rid of at least one of them out of the starting lineup because it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Erickson, in my opinion, was one of the best players on that field. He took some good shots and looked fantastic. Um, and and a, most of the players didn't look great. So him standing out was impressive. And then uh, for the like little transfer update, Beef was saying like De Jong uh, coming in. That seems like it might be a lost cause for Manu. i um, I'm thinking he might just stay at Barcelona or go to Chelsea. So we'll see, like I said, coming this week. But apparently they're moving on to Sergei Malinkovic-Savic, uh, the Lazio midfielder who's been linked to them for forever. Um, and always stay Lazio, so I'm not sure uh, if he leaves, especially this late in the window um i could see lazio an italian club holding on to him and being stubborn but we'll see never know money talks
1: yeah definitely and i it's definitely seemed like lazio's not afraid to sell him um is kind of what it seems like cuz i know arsenal did say they were interested in him earlier in the window and pretty much the rumors were like anywhere between 55 and $60 million would just—they would sell him. No no questions asked.
0: Yeah, and if Man U puts up the money, uh, they seem a little desperate, uh, so they could bump up that price. So, I mean, I could see it happening. Lazio hasn't had a great window so far, but they've have brought some talent in, so maybe they're willing to offload one guy. Uh, but we'll see in the coming weeks. And honestly, and, they could uh,
1: they could probably get an extra ten million out of Manu. They're that I think they're that desperate in the midfield.
0: Yeah, for sure. And if Lazio, I mean, plays it right and gets that money quick, then maybe they could flip it into uh, something else, uh, one or two players to end the window, and uh, to help them for the upcoming Serie A campaign, uh, which starts this weekend. So uh, that leads us into the last game and um, Beef's hero of the week, but. Uh, we didn't talk about the goals. Um, Erling Holland with the penalty uh, to open up his scoring, and then the 65th minute uh, pass from De Bruyne, just a great pass, and he slotted home. But the uh, penalty, we were saying, like that's a great way for a new striker and a young striker to start his scoring in the Premier League, uh, league not that easy to score in. And I mean, obviously it was expected uh, from him, but. That's just a nice and easy, relaxing way to do it. He drew the penalty, so he took it. I was kind of surprised he took it, but um, not really anymore. I think he's the guy now. So De Bruyne uh, took the back seat, I guess. I I, I would have expected maybe him to take it. But Holland took it, and it was slotted perfectly left side. Perfect penalty, pretty much. And then he ended up doing the Zen uh, celebration. And then he scored the second one. Uh, later in the game to seal the deal versus spoots's West Ham. Uh, But, yeah,
1: what do you got, Beef? Anything else uh, on this game? I think, honestly, I mean, I think, like, last year, De Bruyne definitely took the pens when he was on the field, but I think it's a big thing that you want your goal scorer taking the penalties. It's just a confidence booster. It's a big big plus for um, a lot of people. I mean... I know like Chelsea's a little different but obviously don't they don't have a true number 9. So um but when they did I'm pretty sure like Drogba always took the pens everything like that. So um it's just kind of Jorginho right now but he's also known to be a great penalty taker so but yeah definitely in one of those cases where it's like you definitely want your striker Especially in his first game where he draws the penalty, gets everything. Also, just to mention, when he drew that penalty, how is he that big, that strong, and that fast? Like, he was flying, and then he just got this one little touch, and then he got taken out. And I was just like, how are you that fast when you're like, he's like 6'4", strong as anything, and he just flies? He's young. <laughs> he's oh, got yeah. he young legs. Absolutely, but
0: it's a, just scary. L- long stride. Yeah. He's got that Long stride, but yeah, like you were saying, like I feel like, yeah, if they stick with him as the penalty guy, when uh, obviously he's gonna be playing a lot, so that's just like yeah, a confidence booster, a stat booster, and everything. So I feel like teams that have dissension between the players on the field, uh, when a penalty pops up, it's always a little more troubling, and seems to be a little more controversial at, at the end of the day. Um, even at Chelsea, like when Lukaku was there, when any of these strikers came in, there's always like just banter between the guys. And it, it always just causes distractions and confusion and never looks good. Man U's been through
1: it with Pogba and every, all the everyone.
0: Yeah. Ronaldo
1: and Bruno and all that stuff. It's never good. Yeah, it happened in the Arsenal game last year when Bruno took the pen and Ronaldo got pissed that he took the pen and then he missed it, which made it even worse. Exactly. It's always like,
0: that happens, you get in an argument, someone picks it, and then they miss. Yeah. And, and it happens the next week with the opposite situation, and the yeah. other guy takes it and misses. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just, so if Holland gets the penalties, which it seems like he's going to, um, but yeah, he's off to a good start. And I think in like the interview after the game uh, with Pep, uh, not with Holland, uh, they were saying like, oh, Holland's the he's going to be unbelievable. And he's like, Of course, he's a great player, but like last week you were saying he's going to be a bust. He missed the community shield goal, so like, don't get ahead of yourselves. Just calm down, and uh, yeah, we all think Collin's going to be fantastic, but at the same time, he still has to ease in. I mean, West Ham is a good team, but you never know. West Ham had a good run last year, but in the past, they've been just like a top 10 side, so maybe they're back to that. You never know. Just uh, putting that out there.
1: I think it was one of those things where, like, the lineup that Pep put out there was just get Holland on the score sheet at all things possible. Like, he played Grealish and Foden on the wings who can score, but they're more so good dribblers and good passers who can whip balls in get balls to the top of the box, get balls to the six-yard box, kind of just do all that. Plus, they obviously have Kevin Bruyne, who's probably the best passer in the entire league. Um, so, just one of those things. He kind of set him up for success a lot that game. And also, one of those things was when they were comparing him, they said he was a bust. Then they were like, now you're comparing him to be like Thierry Henry and Aguero. But, like it's one of those things where is West Ham's defense really that great? And he played Van Dyke in his first game against the premier league team. Like it's a little bit of a wake up call maybe, but it's just one of those things where it's like, they're two different opponents. First of all, too. I mean, if Van Dyke, he's not going to outbody Van Dyke, but if he's going up against Kurt Zuma, he can outbody Kurt Zuma. If he really needs to, he can also run right by Kurt Zuma, which is how he got the penalty. But it's just one of those games where it's like time will tell how good he's gonna be. Obviously, he's going to be good. It just depends how good. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I. And yeah, you don't. Strikers don't score every game. Like he scored two this game. They might have a game off and then end up scoring three and then one one nothing. Yeah. It's it's just the way a striker is. And then uh, before we end uh, with this game, I guess like Walker and Cancelo were playing like center D mids. It was really back. weird. Yeah, it was like, sent, they were very central, and they'd mm-hmm. shift around, and everyone would rotate, and they were all on the same page. It was and allowed,
1: such a weird format Like, what they were yeah. doing was really odd.
0: And it allowed midfielders to move up and back, and they were in, like, it's like, if any other team tried it, and someone wasn't on the same page, you'd be screwed. But,
1: oh, yeah.
0: But they could do it fine, and they were saying, like, this is probably something they're only going to do against a team like West Ham or in the bottom half of the table and that type of, like, they play the team. They're, they're playing, like, a formation that they know they can dissect a team they're playing against. So, yeah. like, against the top side, they might not do that because they have to play more traditionally. But it was, like, a halftime talking point that the outside backs were playing very central and very midfield-like.
1: It lets, like, eight people go forward. And then it basically was they were sitting at, like, two CDMs. Rodri sat right behind them. And then their two center backs were almost, like, playing weirdly, like, outside backs, but really deep. So it was, like,
0: yeah, they'd drop out wider. So it was, like, two at the back. And then the two outside backs were in the middle.
1: And then Rodri was, like, going back and forth between them. It was really weird where... Rodri wasn't really doing much the whole game. He kind of was just like a safety blanket in case they lost the ball. But it was basically they were just running. When they passed the ball back, it was Cancelo and Kyle Walker who were playing, like, the in middle of the field, which was really odd.
0: Yeah, and, like, shout-out Tim Howard, best uh, pundit on the Premier League uh, halftime shows. Uh, he was like, this— He was saying, like, this is something no one's ever seen before. Yeah. And Pep's kind of, like, reinventing something here. So, I mean, again, we'll see how far it goes uh, against other teams. But this was something to kick off the season. It's something interesting to talk about from City's perspective. But, uh, obviously, City off to a good start. And uh, fourth place. So, uh, that has a little table, quick recap, based off goal differential, basically. Spurs, Arsenal, Bournemouth in third Man City, Newcastle, Brighton, Hove, Albion, Leeds, Chelsea, and 8th. And then uh, the rest, obviously, uh, you can look up yourselves. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, quick little table recap there. And then um, that's pretty much it for the show. But, uh, Beef, I had a, some, a little idea. We won't do, like, a segment here. But maybe for the next Premier League uh,
1: podcast, we can rank London club clubs that could be controversial very very controversial is all i will say exactly and are we saying like in form like right now ranking london clubs or like mm,
0: i'd say i'd say yeah player wise and talent wise and like table wise you can factor that in but obviously there's going to be a lot of biases so it's like a personal personal ranking too so like steves probably going to say palace at 1 you'll say arsenal at 1 i'll say chelsea at 1
1: yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it, it could get very controversial, is what I will say. Um, I think, yeah, I especially think with a
0: more with Paul
1: now being on loan as a uh, Spurs oh, yeah, fan. Paul. Yep. Therefore, we now have four different clubs, and as I'm kind of disappointed in you a little bit, I won't lie. Your hate for Spurs has gone downhill a lot, and I kind of <laughs> hate it. You used to hate Spurs more than I did, which is I weird. Did. But now that. I, Now that they have an Italian coach and an Italian sporting director, you actually kind of like them. And I kind of hate that. I won't lie. So I won't get
0: into it obviously now, because that's kind of why I brought up the ranking of London clubs. Obviously there's so many London clubs, but in the past, yeah, like Spurs have been a huge rival of Chelsea. And when I was like getting into soccer Spurs, Chelsea was definitely more of a rivalry than Chelsea Arsenal, but Oh, it's kind of shifting back towards Arsenal now. And yeah, I didn't really, you know, grow up with Chelsea as in like with the rivalry with Arsenal. So like when Hazard put Spurs away to not make them not win the Premier League and he celebrated like we won. uh, It was like that's when the peak of Spurs hate and then Spurs kind of weren't that good. So it wasn't really a competition, I guess. And then Spurs, they obviously gotten good, so the rivalry was there. And there was always fights. Like, Diego Costa starting fights and stuff with them. But then Diego Costa, like, obviously started fights with Arsenal, too. But now I feel like the Arsenal-London derby is a little more intense, and Arsenal's coming, you know, back into that top-four mold. Um, They fell out of it for the past few years. So I feel like... And me and you have never had that uh, rivalry, so I mean for the pod and for uh, my Chelsea fandom I guess, and like you said, Conte and the Italians are taking over Spurs, I love Kuliszewski as well, so it's not like I'm liking Spurs, but I was I was so excited when Ward Prowse scored the first goal, but, but yeah, I think the
1: Arsenal Chelsea rivalry is back I don't know what my thoughts on Spurs are is all I'll say
0: yeah, I mean they're easy to.
1: They're 50-50. I mean, like
0: yeah, yeah. You you like some players and then you hate some players. Same with me. I don't like Dyer. I think their defense is still meh, but um. I think Loris has gone downhill. I don't think but, he's that good anymore. Yeah, he's
1: just like a. Does he even start for France? I feel like. Um, I think I he like still Like the AC does, Milan goalie. But What's I. I think as of right now, Loris is the starter, but that might change going into the World Cup depending on how they're playing. I mean, the, the thing with that's the weird thing about Spurs right now is I think Loris is kind of important for how good they're actually going to be because he kind of saw one chance and obviously Ward-Prowse scored a great goal. So I'm not going to say Laurie should have saved that or anything, but, like, I didn't really see him get tested against Southampton or anything. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to wait, kind of. Yeah. Oh, they actually play Chelsea next week, so that will actually be a good first yeah. test for him, most likely.
0: Yeah, it's like um, he used to be uh, – he have like, Vertonghen and um... – what's his Aldo name? the we world in front of him. So it's like similar to a Man U situation with De Gea. Like De Gea was fantastic and then he's kind of fell off because his defense fell off. I think that's similar situation to Lloris. And the guy I was thinking was um, Mike Mignon from AC Milan. He's was the goalie of the year last year in, in Serie A and he's definitely in competition for Lloris for the France job. And then, um, what was I going to say? Oh, my last piece I, that I skipped was uh, Lisandro Martinez, the new, um, man, U defender. Uh, I was watching the game and the first thing that came across is that he was very small. He's tiny. I looked up his height. He's, he's 5'9". five nine. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I don't even know In, if he's actually five yeah, sure nine.
0: I'm
1: pretty sure he's five seven or five eight. Um, so like for a center back, that's absolutely crazy.
0: Danny Welbeck yeah. was towering over him. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, he's being praised as a very good defender. I think Romero from Spurs was saying he's world-class but um yes you could be world-class and you could be great ball to ball player blah 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 but at the end of the day if you're getting towered over um in the box it could be detrimental
1: yeah especially when it could go very badly for them randomly if harry Maguire has a bad game as we saw a good amount last season like especially if you're playing against one of those bigger strikers who can honestly like Mitrovic could cause them problems if Harry Maguire has a bad game because there's no chance Lissandro Mart- Martinez is beating him on a header. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of one of those things where it's like those bigger strikers could cause that team problems.
0: Yep, 100. percent But uh, like you, yeah, you you were saying beef before we end. Quick little preview of match day two. Um, I just say uh, I guess our teams Arsenal Leicester. Is, uh 10 a.m. on Saturday. And then Chelsea-Tottenham, obviously, game of the, pretty much the weekend, uh, 11.30 on Sunday, Eastern Standard Time. Um, so yeah, we got a little little London derby there between Chelsea and Tottenham. And then Arsenal at home versus Leicester. So uh, definitely an Arsenal favored there. And if Leicester loses any of those players in the coming, in this week before the game, that could be a, a tough hit for them as well.
1: Honestly, I'm, that's a game Arsenal should win. It's at home. Um, they should beat Leicester regardless. Uh, in my eyes, regardless of if they don't even lose anyone, just with team versus team, Arsenal should win that game. And it's kind of, as some people might say, their first test potentially, just because they yeah, obviously.
0: Leicester was a good team.
1: Not that CP is a bad team, but people expected Arsenal to beat Crystal Palace. That was just a thing. Yeah. Uh, Everyone was hyping up Arsenal to be making top four, everything like that. And it was just the preseason, so it wasn't that obvious or that big of a deal. But in in my mind, Arsenal should beat Crystal Palace every single time. They play them regardless, just by club size, who, how good the players are, everything like that. But I mean, they should also beat Leicester. At worst, they should tie them. There's no way they should lose this game. Now, will that happen? I don't know. But Yeah, I don't
0: know. I, I, I'll say... I- yeah, Arsenal's favored for sure, but Leicester's a good team, and Leicester always gives top sides a hard time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely agree with that.
0: And then uh, Chelsea, Tottenham, obviously a huge game. Chelsea has to figure out their offensive troubles, uh, but their defense could hold off that Tottenham side. Um, obviously, I'd say 50-50. This is a both of these teams are predicted to be from anywhere from three to five in their table. And uh, this could be a game that decides that. You never know. Um, But, yeah, Chelsea, I think as Pilaqueta came out and said, they really got to figure out the offense. Uh, So if Chelsea somehow comes alive, and after a week of more practicing and game planning for the Spurs team, uh, they figure out how to score some goals. I think uh, Sterling could cause some damage. He had a decent game, like I said, in the first game. He just didn't get on the score sheet. And yeah, I hope I hope that he plays well because I've always I've always thought Sterling was good,
1: but I don't know. He I, needs help. I, I think we could see a weird start up top, is what I'll say. Yeah, like, I think I think Broja might start. Yeah, he, I can see that. Just he did look. He looked decent. Um, yeah, I mean, he didn't decent. get he didn't really get any chances, but like he was definitely hustling, putting in the hard work, pressing really hard, which. I think could work pretty well against Spurs. I mean, I think that's one of the things that they might be, might have an issue with. If you press them really well, they, that's one of the tests I want to see is how well they can break a press. I mean, even their, their center backs aren't necessarily known for playing the ball out of the back super well, things like that. I mean, even Romero, Romero's a great defender and I would probably say a top three center back in the league, top three or four, but He's not known for being the greatest passer out of the back and everything like that. So definitely pressing them and trying to see how they can actually deal with that is one of the tests I want to see against them. And I think Chelsea can definitely do that.
0: Yeah, and if by some miracle Chelsea signs Fofana de Jong and Aubameyang this week, you never know, they could be slipped into the squad or even on the bench. So check out, look out for that. I don't know if there's any real... Uh, links to Spurs at the moment, uh, besides Zaniolo from Roma, uh, which Paul desperately wants to not happen. So, uh, And I'd say I hope Zaniolo stays at Roma as well. But, and, I mean, he'd probably help the team uh, for Spurs, but they don't really need him. We'll see. Uh, but otherwise, no really incoming news uh, for Spurs. They just signed uh,
1: and- a left back from Udinese, but then loaned him right back to Udinese, so...
0: Yeah, Paul was high on this guy. Uh, I believe his destiny something uh, from Udinese. Very very fast young Italian left back. Coaching
1: my Udines, these fuckers.
0: Yeah, so uh, look out for him in the future. But yeah, they have Cessignon right now, and base- they're the same position and very similar players. So definitely a good loan back. Um,
1: but, but one of uh, them's a- one of them's Italian, so exactly. Paul likes him better
0: exactly and i mean he could end up being a better defender in the long run as the italians are but uh yeah that pretty much wraps up uh any previews i'll say okay last thing last thing uh liverpool palace on monday the joke was i mean cp always gets the who's odd sco- games
1: who's scoring the worldy <laughs> against cp this year
0: yeah uh liverpool always goes off against palace so i mean this one could end up being 6-7 nothing but Steve is, like, we're laughing, like, Palace always gets the Friday or Monday games. Steve just wants to, like, wake up on a Saturday and watch them normally, not have to watch them at work or, like, something like that. But he got got screwed here and has to watch them on a Monday afternoon um, to pretty much end his Monday and probably ruin his Monday. Yeah. uh, We'll see.
1: (laughs) I don't want to play Liverpool after they just tied Fulham at home. That's not something I want to do. I mean, and I think that's one of those games where I think clock played it safe against Fulham. He goes, I'm going to play my guys who I know what they're going to do. And we're playing Fulham. We should get the job done regardless. But I I think he's just going to unleash their best team. Again, obviously Tiago's hurt, but other than that, he's 100% trying to make a statement like, no, we didn't take a step down. We want to win big. So I think he's going to, he's going to play his best lineup. Yeah. But easier said than done.
0: Steve's Crystal Palace could shock and uh, pull out a draw or something. You never know. Uh, so we're giving you hope, Steve. But it's not looking good, especially like Beef said. Um, drawing the first game and wanting to compete for the league uh, right off the start. Uh, not looking good for Crystal Palace.
1: <laughs> also, I know they always kill them. Someone always scores like a goal that's like Puskas nomination against crystal palace it's especially from liverpool i don't know why it always happens i think like two years ago someone scored a bicycle kick against for liverpool against them or something but they always score some like nasty goal against them
0: yeah and then like sala cuts in from the left and from outside the box and just picks the top left the
1: corner every time and it's like oh god what are we in for today
0: but yeah, Sala definitely has fun versus them. And I mean, if Yota and Nunez and all those guys want to get involved, it could be a, uh, an absolute slaughter. But I guess uh, we'll end with that. And a, a tough note for Steve. But if you want to follow us on uh, Instagram, uh, we are at the Posto on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, if you look up tutoposto on YouTube, you can find us there. We are posting the uh, audio and video versions uh of this podcast on YouTube, but uh, mostly you can listen to us on Spotify. Uh, so go uh, follow us there and leave a rating as well. I re- recently noticed there's a rating button, so go give us a rating, five stars of course. And then if you want to follow me and Beef, I am at Michelangelo Lifts on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and at Mick on Twitter. Beef is at Bylock15 on Instagram and TikTok, and at Ploucun on Twitter, and he also streams on Twitch sometimes if you like watching uh, video games and stuff like that.
1: Pro Club's coming soon.
0: True. Uh, Pro Club's news was dropped, and there is some intrigue from the group, so that comes out September 30th. I think, obviously, you can pre-order and probably get it early, but so September is uh, Right around the a corner. Time, yeah, a month away. Time to look out for potentially FIFA 23 content from Tutoposto. And um, TikTok content's coming, Instagram content, not quite the back yet, but I'm hoping to uh, start making those posts again. I just kind of make the templates for it, and then it's uh, easy from there, but I'll try to get on that. Twitter, obviously, uh, firing on all cylinders from Paul at all times, Um, so go check that out for some funny stuff. And then Twitter questions as well, so if you're listening to this, uh, obviously, thank you for listening to the end, but uh, we're going to... We always do Twitter questions. We'll post a tweet on Twitter probably before a podcast, middle of the week. So check out for that. And uh, you can ask questions to us, anything you want, soccer-related or not. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, me, Beef, always happy to be here. And trying to make this Premier League recap a staple of the podcast weekly and uh, maybe potentially a Serie A version as well with Paul. And anyone who wants to join that, because Paul's more of the Serie A guy. But, again, thank you for listening, and uh, have a good night. And looking forward to match week two of the Premier League. Anything to say, beat before we sign off? Go Chelsea. Wow.